in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 52 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And, well, we don't have baseball to talk about. And we won't have baseball to talk about for a good long while. And I guess that's the only topic we have is just when the baseball season's going to start up, what's going to happen, how how is this going to be different? Um, the latest article from Ken Rosenthal, it, here's the lead. The first question, the biggest question, is whether the 2020 Major League season will even take place. That is the biggest and first question, wouldn't you say, Andy? I, yeah. And, and, and uh, to be clear, I'm, I'm in my... Um office and you're in your house and we are across the bay from each other so we are very much more than six feet apart practicing our social distancing uh it's been one heck of a a a week i mean for everyone this is just unprecedented in in my lifetime and your lifetime to deal with something like this obviously and how baseball is impacted just seems so far down the the chain of 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 uh priorities but you know it's what we do if you're listening to this podcast it's important to you and uh, obviously we're all looking forward to another baseball season and the revival of spring and all of the hope associated with it. And yeah, I mean, everything is thrown up in the air. Will there be a draft this year? Will there be, um, you know, will there be the Olympics? Will, will there be, uh, uh, you know, they say that, that, you know, with the Spanish flu, it, it really ramped up and did most of its damage uh, in, in September, October when it came roaring back. So will this thing act the same way? And then, okay, you start up baseball and then you, are you going to have to stop it again? I mean, there's so many things that we don't know, and the information we could base our best guesses on seems to change every five minutes. So right. um, that that's what makes this, you know, so so dynamically, you know, different than anything we've ever dealt with before. But you know, for now, I, I guess uh, I think Major League Baseball did the right thing by making sure everyone went home. Doesn't make a lot of sense for for players to be working out in groups right now. Um, and uh, and and basically, we're all we're all kind of in the same boat, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's easy to to focus on the micro and, you know, everyone is right now is making sacrifices. Uh, I, but it, in the grand scheme of thing or grand scheme of things, getting 40,000 people together to watch a baseball game is not worth the risk. It's, you know, they obviously they can't do it by by edict, local edicts and, and, and stuff. But it's it's just not it's not the priority right now and it's it's a little bit tough if you're a baseball fanatic if you've just dig down far enough to where you're listening to the Bags and Brisby podcast that means you've devoted an inordinate amount of your life to Giants baseball and now it's gone and that was your hobby if you're listening to this right now the chances are that was your main hobby this is this is what you do and at the same time it's just 
no, you know, this is something that we all sort of have to get through together, all have to make sacrifices. Uh, I mean, it's I, I look at the little inconveniences that I have where, you know, my daughter was going to be one of the leads in the school play, and that's not going to happen. I was a softball coach, and that really is my my passion and my release when I'm when I'm not writing. Is it's to coach kids and 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 coach softball. I just love it, and that's not going to happen. But you know what? Minor, minor, minor. I have. I'm in a good spot. I'm working from home. Like totally minor inconveniences. In that sort of how we have to view baseball. It's a huge part of, of your life, the person listening to this. It definitely is a huge part of my life and my career. At the same time, you got to know its place, and it's going to start up when it's best for society to start up. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I do an annual uh, uh, fantasy draft with um, my work colleagues from my first job at, at the San Bernardino County Sun. They've been doing this uh, league since like 1982, and it's got its mm. own rules. It's it's really an interesting uh, setup. We play 162 game season, and we were going to draft on the 22nd, which was the day that I was going to be driving back from Arizona and stop uh, and do the draft in Southern California with them, and then head back head back home because I, I drive to spring training every year, and and it's still on. We're still supposed to do it on the 22nd, and I'm just approaching it thinking. What is the point? I mean, we, we don't know if there's even going to be a season. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it, we're really going to go through with it or not. But, um, you know, there's so many things that you look forward to, you you count on. Uh, they're just your little sources of, of joy throughout the calendar that you know, I almost have to catch myself thinking, okay, well, this is coming up. Oh, wait, no, that's not coming up. We're not going to do that. Um, so, yeah, it, it's like a constant reorientation of... of uh, of, of expectations. And I think that it's going to be a while before that really settles in for everybody. Yeah, I, I've been in the same fantasy league for almost 25 years now. And, you know, I, we just sent out the email that's like, you know, I suppose I raise a practical question at this point. Are we going to do Stonehenge? You know, it's like, <laughs> no, we're not doing the fantasy baseball draft. Like, we're, it's answered a little bit more succinctly than that. No, we're not going to do the fantasy draft. And that, hey, you know what? That's everything is uncertain. And one thing I've caught myself doing is is I'm watching more MLB network right now than I ever have in my life. And it's not even close. You know, I, I thought maybe during the typical offseason, MLB network would be how, how you get your, your winter fix of classic games and, and topics and whatnot. But it wasn't. I mean, maybe it's because I'm a baseball writer, but I didn't need more baseball. I just wanted to not watch baseball. I wanted to not think about some random game from 1979. Last night, I watched uh, a random Rangers A's game where Chris Davis hit a walk-off grand slam. And then after that, I immediately flipped over to MLB Network and watched the Phillies-Cubs bananas 23-22 to game in 1979. And that's, boo, that's how boo. I'm getting my... <laughs> Hey, you know what? It's fun. It, that was a fun game. That's just oh, yeah. Let's show now. the Steve Garvey game. Let's show the 84 NLCS. Let, let's show uh, uh, Will Clark hitting his home rough Greg Maddox. I, I believe the world <laughs> is set up right now in its nostalgia mode to screw over kids who love the 1980s era Cubs. Oh, it, it, I just feel persecuted. I, I just want to say that. So we need to get the Dwight Smith game. We need to get the 9 nothing comeback win against the, the Houston Astros. If you're a Cubs fan, you know every time there's a rain delay on WGN, they showed you high, They showed you that game, uh, that Dwight Smith game and the 9 nothing comeback against the Houston Astros. I want to see that one on MLB Network because that's only fair to make up for all the ways they're persecuting kids who grew up huge Chicago Cub fans in the 1980s. 
And now, with the benefit of hindsight and, and some adult perspective, which would you rather have? Would you rather have Steve Garvey not hitting that home run against the Cubs? Say Steve Garvey on the Cubs. However, if you get that, the Cubs have to retire Steve Garvey's number after a couple of pretty sad seasons and like one great moment. I don't know the answer to that. It's like the, the Padres retired Steve Garvey's number and it's embarrassing. I know. It's probably the most egregious one of all time. But I would also take Leon Durham fielding that squibber off of Tim Flannery's bat. I would take that. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that was. I mean, I know that Giants fans have a lot of obviously very, very painful memories from years past that that the three World Series have been a salve on. But you still don't let go of. You don't forget about Russ Ortiz handing over the baseball and all those other things that maybe I shouldn't go and uh, and mention in, in litany right now. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think every franchise has those, and 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 you don't you don't do away with them. You know, there's still there's still those little moments that uh, that make you cringe. But um, right now, as we I mean, right before I, I hopped on this podcast, I finished, I'd say about three, 400 words on Solomon Torres. I mean, it's oh. you know, I still have some to go on Levon Hernandez and Sidney Ponson and Wilson Alvarez. I mean, it's yeah, you don't forget that. It's it's I, I know the Giants have made it up to their fans, but those were very, very real and, and sad in crushing times. I mean, th- yesterday I wrote about A.J. Pierzynski and the fact that he left the Giants, went to the White Sox, a team that was more cursed than the Giants even, and immediately won a World Series, that bothered me. That like It, it, like, it was like an <laughs> existential crisis that he went to the White Sox. He didn't go to the Yankees and win a World Series ring. Big whoop. He went to the White Sox. I, I don't remember. They'd won like one postseason series since, since airplanes were invented. And he went to the White Sox and won a World Series. And that really bothered me. How, how bad was A.J. Pruszynski that they traded multiple pieces for him they lost an arbitration to him. They totally had him under club control for a couple more years, and they just got rid of him. They just they declined to offer him arbitration. And the, yeah. the whole reason they gave up so much is because he had team control. You were looking at a catcher in his mid-20s that you thought he was going to last, and, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, he did last. He lasted a heck of a long time for a catcher, did really good things for his teams. But, yeah, Giants were like, nah, seen it, tried it, no thanks. That was that was how bad he was. I, I think I was probably um, maybe four weeks onto the beat at that point. I, that was my first year on the Giants beat was two thousand four, and uh, and then you know I I was at the Oakland Tribune and wrote the story at the time about basically all of his teammates saying this guy's awful. He's not going over hitters with pitchers. He's not doing his job. Yeah. He's he's uh, he's ripping on his teammates to opponents. All all this other stuff. All of which was true. Um, and, and that was a month into the season. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's going to the, the GM's office and saying, look, you know, uh, trade me, get me out of here. So, um, yeah, that was, that did not go well. That, that really did not go well. That was amazing. Yeah. When I, when I wrote about that yesterday, I, I'm always happy when I do a little bit of research to find that you were the one that, that wrote the story and, you know, it makes you go, Ooh, I know him. Um, but it was also, <laughs> it surprised me. It was April. I don't remember it was April. It was like the end of April was when that article came out. I thought it was June. I thought it was just, you know, frustration simmering. No, that was like an instant, okay, this guy, wow. It was it was just an, an immediate reaction almost. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, happy times, right? Happy times. Happy times. I mean, that that's what, uh, that's what I'm writing about. I'm looking at the past. I'm looking at stuff like this. But there is something to look 
to toward in the future. And that is, you know, how are the so for the players who are on the bubble of the roster, I guess, other than the minor leaguers and making sure they get paid, other than the people who work at the ballpark and work for the franchise, making sure they get paid. The concern that I have is for uh, a player like Darren Ruff. Uh, a player who is already deep into his 30s, who was really looking forward to having this one big chance to get back in the game uh, and, and get back in the major league swing of things. And what happens to a guy like Ruff? I mean, he's, he can't afford to take a year and, and have a gap year where he's you know not playing baseball. What happens to a guy like that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, there, there's, you know, people who are a year from free agency, and they're going to be a year older. And, and do they get credit for service time for a season that may not be played? Um, I, and I kind of think it's almost like anything in life is so much of it is timing. And so much of it is, you know, when, when there's a big negative impact, it, it may be uh, because of your socioeconomic status or your, your you know, where you get affected, uh, or, you know, just the timing of things. You know, I, I think about back to when I was um, in the Bay Area in, you know, 2007, 2008, and if I lived in almost any other part of the country, I would have bought a house at that yeah. time. And I couldn't afford one because it was the Bay Area, and, and I could have gotten hit by the big housing bubble, but I didn't. Uh, and I was lucky, but a lot of people my age, a lot of my really good friends uh, that I went to school with were buying houses just before that time, and then they were Oof. underwater for years and years and years, and still are in some cases. So, you know, that's just, that's just timing. That's just that's just life. That's when you get, uh, you know, when, when the bus comes, whether you're, you're in the crosswalk or not. And uh, um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it is going to affect some people more than others. Um, and, and, you know, all these other questions about service time, about um, how people are compensated, uh, you know, they, they've got to f- factor through all that. But I, I am glad to see that teams are, are making concrete plans to try to, you know, create some lost wages for their game day employees, for the people who really, really need the paychecks, uh, who are depending on income. You know, there's so many people who are going to be impacted by this in so many ways that, that are just cascading. I, I feel for people who live in multi-generational households and maybe have jobs where they can't, you know, they can't work from home. Sure. You know, and, and, and so, you know, yeah, it's, I, I almost think it's, it's too, too much minutia to go into all of the, how, how they're going to compensate players during this time or how they're going to work out something that's fair between the union and the league. Um, it just, it, it almost seems like that's, of secondary importance right now. But, you know, it's stuff they have to figure out. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. So if you're struggling with ED, Go to GetRoman.com slash Giants for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Giants for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Yeah. No, I, when I drive down, you know, I live in Castor Valley, and I drive down the main drag, and I look to my right, and there's uh, a nice old single-screen movie theater, the Castor Valley Theater. Uh, I, I think about that, and I look to the... Left, and there's a restaurant that just opened up, and you know they're leveraged to the hilt, and that they put everything they had into that restaurant. And then I look to the to the right, and there's a nail salon. I look, you know what I mean? It, it's you can just drive a block and realize how many people are just going to 
how this is going to devastate, not just affect, not just inconvenience, but devastate. It takes a block to realize how many people this is going to devastate. And that's before you get to health. That's just livelihoods and stuff like that. And it... it yeah, so it's it's hard to to get into the minutia and to really sort of wrap your head around it. And and I just I don't know. I think about all the individual storylines of the giants, and it's just it's it's part of the part of the cornucopia, part of the giant, just unbelievable mess that that everything is. Yeah, and you know because of the way that things are set up in this country, you could have a Boeing that has spent $80 billion on stock buybacks and now doesn't have the liquidity to survive a huge downturn in business, and they're going to get bailed out by the federal government. It's the aviation industry, right? I mean, we know how things work in this country, but it's all the small businesses I worry about. And, And one suggestion I saw online that I thought was just fantastic is, you know, if you can afford it or if we start getting these sort of basic income type checks, and you can afford to not have to live on that. Um, you know, I thought it was a great idea that, that some people have, have been uh, posting is, you know, buy gift certificates for your local yes. businesses. And maybe you can't go um, eat out now, but you, you, you know, we have a yoga studio that we love to go to that's right down the street from us. And obviously they're, they're shuttered. They can't do any yoga classes. But if I, you know, buy a 20 class pass now um, and, and, give them a little bit of revenue, maybe that can keep them going. And, and, uh, and so then they'll be in a better position to, to actually be there when, um, when this is all over. So, um, yeah, just, you know, as much as we can support each other, we have to support our local businesses too. If you're listening and you live in the East Bay and you're close to Castor Valley, say you're Hayward or San Leandro, something like that, consider a gift certificate to Los Mocajetes in Castor Valley, because I want that place to stay open. <laughs> Don't look at the three-and-a-half-star Yelp review. They have, uh, I believe, new owners or new management. It is tremendous. It is a great time out. Buy a dang gift certificate because I want that place to be there when this is all over and everything returns at least to some semblance of normal. So, yeah, definitely gift certificates. That's that's 100% right. We should move our baseball writer's dinner to uh, Los Mocojetes. That sounds pretty good. It is just a fantastic, good margaritas. They they actually, you know, they have molcajetes that's in the name, and they come out, and they're just tremendous and huge, and you're always taking over left or okay, yeah. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> Anyways, so t- so talk about how how everything changed for you on a dime when uh, you were in Arizona. So when I was in Arizona, it was a concern. So it was I had hand sanitizer. I used it when I got into the car, got out of the car. I was in the press box. I made sure to sneeze into a chicken wing. Uh, you know, all this stuff I was already doing. A lot of people were doing. Uh, and that was, let me do the math. That was 17 years ago. Uh, <laughs> since, since then, you know, I've left and I've gone home. Uh, I've had a cold and a dry cough, which is wildly fun in, in this era. But what have you what did you do like how was it packing up how how did you get the news how was the waterfall for you in Arizona oh i mean it was just it was just a amazing just how fast everything happened and everything changed i mean at first they told us okay you know media is going to be barred from the clubhouse and I, I went on my Twitter rant about it, and I thought it was stupid. It's like, okay, this is like six reporters you're keeping out of a room that 200 people traffic through. Meanwhile, you're asking 10,000 people to sit shoulder to shoulder and watch these games that don't even count, right? right. So I, I, I just, I didn't, there was a big dissonance there that, that, that I thought was dumb, and it seemed almost opportunistic. 
but then then you obviously see what happens after that and and you know the NBA uh, shuts down as soon as one player tests positive and you realize what the ramifications are for one player to test positive that means a whole team basically has to self-quarantine that means that they can't play so yeah the whole schedule gets imperiled uh, and you know the the like two days after you know they didn't let the reporters in then obviously they they decided that okay we've got to suspend uh, games and from that point I was like okay, what do I do here? Do I stick around? Because it's probably more likely that the players are going to stay here and continue to work out. And I can probably talk to them, you know, as they go in and out of the facility. So maybe I'll end up in Arizona longer than I was supposed to be uh, leaving on the 21st after the final exhibition game. And then, you know, that changed very quickly as well. Um, but you know, the, the big event for me, uh, speaking personally, um, you know, I, I grew up in Southern California and, uh, my parents are getting on in years and my mom had a heart scare. And so she had to go to the ER. Uh, and, uh, I thought, okay, you know, I, am sort of in an uncertain spot here. I don't know whether to stay or go. This is kind of making my decision for me. That's where I need to be. So I just packed up the place as fast as I could and, and, and drove there and spent, about four days there uh, while she was in the hospital, and she's much better now. She's uh, doesn't require any major interventions, and uh, and she's been discharged and is home now. But um, uh, so I, I just drove back up to the Bay Area. Um, the, what would that be on uh, when uh, Tuesday, Tuesday night, Saint, or St. Patrick's Day, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and so yeah, so I've been home and sheltering in place and and um ever since then so yeah it's just very quickly how that all happened i mean i should be in spring training another another three days and, yeah. and here i am home after going through family stuff and every, now i just hope that she wasn't exposed to anything when she was in the hospital or you know because we don't know you could have no symptoms and still have this thing so i'm, I'm worrying myself th- sick of the thought that maybe you know did i have something and and, and maybe pass it along so that's right. that's why i wish we had more tests and we could have more people know what they're dealing with and I think that's eventually what's going to, if there is going to be a baseball season, it's because there are more tests. It's because that you're able to identify, okay, this is a legit hotspot. This is something we need to shut down. You know, we need to shut down this area. We It, it allows for targeted strikes in, in such a way. Um, but yeah, I on Friday, March 13th, the Slack notification I get comes to my phone and it it is an abbreviated version of, of a longer message a lot of the times. It's just the notification pops up with, with just that first part of the message. And the message popped up from you, and it, it read, my mom's been admitted to the hospital, so I've made the choice to get out of here. And, I mean, I, kn- I know it's not like your mom wasn't dealing with something serious, but in the context of what's going on, gosh, my heart just dropped to my feet. I mean, I just – it just it, – just the 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 worry got you know it's it's it was so all of a sudden it's touching someone I work with very closely and I think what it made me realize is it put into perspective that this isn't you know the coronavirus isn't something that it it's not making your skin turn inside out like the Simpsons in the Treehouse of Horror like it's not like a fog that makes your skin turns it's it's something that is almost familiar. But at the same time, you're trying to stretch this out. It's like a flu that there are no vaccines for, that everyone sort of gets it once, and it's also much, much worse for a certain percentage of the people. And it's not just for the people who are going to get it and be afflicted. It's for people like your mom. It is for someone who has a heart condition and needs medical care at that very second. It's everyone is just sort of staying away from each other to make sure that 
the healthcare system can handle not just the coronavirus, but your mom. I mean, that, yeah. that's what we're all doing here. That's that's almost the way we have to look at it. If you're, you know, a, a, a goober partying in, in Florida right now, saying mm. if I get corona, I get corona. Right. Uh, uh, and by the way, that guy's apparently a baseball prospect who has a perfect game page. <laughs> that guy in that news video that went viral, 78-mile-an-hour mm. fastball, ooh, buddy. Might want to find yeah. another career. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, if that's the way you look at it, you can't think, oh, gosh, it's got a 98% survival rate. I'll be fine. Right. And, and you can't even even beyond thinking about I, I'm doing this for my grandparents, for my elderly parents, for people who are immunocompromised. But just think of this thing as an entire attack on our healthcare system, which, you know, not perfect to start with. I think sure. we know that. Um, but yeah, th- this virus is attacking not just us, it's attacking our healthcare system and our ability uh, for our healthcare system to be there for people who get sick in all the ways we get sick every day, you know. Yeah. Uh, people who need an appendectomy, people who 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 uh, who have um, congestive heart failure, people who who need all kinds of different care, and, and you know, I think about if this thing you know goes nuts, and and the hospital, the regional hospital my mom was in, had been completely inundated uh, in in two weeks, and she happened to have um, you know what happened to her uh, last week happened to her two weeks from now, and maybe she, the the care and the hospital bed and the ability to be admitted wasn't available to her. Um, and, and she needed oxygen, you know, she needed, uh, uh, to be on a, a breathing machine for a while to help her, um, because her O2 levels were so low. So, you know, if that wasn't available to her, I could have lost her, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 and she would never have even had coronavirus, but the virus effectively would have been, you know, the thing that made the difference between life and death. So, um, you know, that, that's the way that I'm trying to think about it, uh, uh, just in terms of the seriousness of this whole situation. Yeah, and that's exactly it. It's not like, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm okay because I'm young. And if you don't want to, you know, be so sick, you shouldn't have been 80, man. Like, it's, you can't think of it like that. It's like you're doing this for the kid with peanut allergies who accidentally eats something with peanut butter in it. Like, that is the person you've got to think about. You have to think about uh, just a young girl who needs medical attention right there, who needs a ventilator right then. And you just, you got to not touch things when you go out. You got to not go out. You have to only go to the grocery store. You have to give some space when you're in line at the grocery store. You have to, uh, maybe you don't need 17 pounds of flour right now. Maybe you can get by with 16 and stuff like that. It's, it's, I don't know. I would like to, I would like to be optimistic and say that this is going to be like some sort of generational, uh, cross-generational shift to where people realize how connected we all are. And I've had the the creeping sense that, you know, instead of uh, uh, e pluribus unum, that the American motto has slowly became F you, what about me? Uh, And maybe that's a little too cynical. And I would like to think that if anything comes out of that, or out of this, that it is not F you, what about me? It's like, hey, let's figure this out so we make things less awful for everyone in every aspect going forward, even when things are relatively normal with the healthcare system. Yeah, I, I, I love what you said, and I, I agree with that, and that's what I've been thinking too. It's it's I, I feel like these last few years have really challenged kind of my lifelong assumptions or beliefs that, that human beings are generally good and altruistic. And yeah. 
you know, it's not going to become like The Walking Dead if, if uh, and everyone is, it, it, we just become a, a lawless civilization of banditry if, when, when things start to, the rule of law starts to go out the window. Um, yeah. I, I would like to feel that way again and, and feel like we're all moving toward, you know, being Star Trek in a few centuries where, you know, we have no money and everyone's equal and we're all... We're all fighting for betterment of, of everyone. Uh, yeah, but you, and maybe that'll the come problem out with Star Trek. The problem with Star Trek is that there's not a cure for baldness that far in the future. And that no, this bugs is me. true. That bugs me. I mean, Picard yeah, looks th- good. I mean, hey, don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, where, where's the cure in the in the 24th century? Come on. I have not yet started watching Picard, though. Have you? Uh, I watched the first episode, and I think I've said this before, but I'm easy. I, I'm I'm the guy who watches Game of Thrones and says, oh, that was okay. And then I go online, and it's like, <laughs> that was awful. Like, I just have such a low threshold. It's like, oh, that was good. And I clap my hands, and I squeal. And, and so I was okay with it, uh, but... The subsequent, like, you know, Craig Calcaterra and the people who have really watched Picard, uh, Brian Murphy of McCovey Chronicles, they hate it. You know, they, really? they uh. watch it, but they, you know, they it feels like they are moving in directions that, that run counter to the spirit of, of you know, the, the best of Star Trek, the Deep Space Nines, the the next generation, that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, it, listen, if you go back and watch the next generation season one, that's a lot of terrible TV. I mean, I think you can agree that there's some terrible TV in the season one of The Next Generation. So maybe they'll find their footing out on it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to get some... T- uh, the 2018-19 Giants seasons were some pretty terrible TV. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you get what you get and you don't get upset. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 52 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back next week and talking about... Well, more of this. 